Hey everyone, just a quick note at the top of the podcast. Some of the audio was sped up. It was just maybe a minute or two due to Zoom being funny with internet connection. That happens sometimes and the internet in my hotel is not all that great, super cheap. So you get what you pay for. But yeah, I just want to let you know if you hear that, that is the reason for it. And um, I'm going to have an update on my status for the rest of the playoffs coming up because as much as I wanted to get this pot up yesterday, um, there's some things that have come up that might impact my status the rest of the way. So I'm hoping tonight is not my last time covering the sky this season, but I'll keep you posted on all of that. And thank you so much for listening to our show. And yeah, let's get into it with Mark Schindler. What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and today I am so excited to be joined by Mark Schindler of WNBA.com. I'm sorry, I had to make that Nikias uh, reference. <laughs> Mark Schindler, how are you doing, my friend? Thanks so much for joining the show. I'm really good. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm a long-time listener, first-time uh, first caller, so I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm sad that Chris isn't here. Hope that he starts feeling better soon, but... Um, glad to be on, man. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm ready to talk about all the things that have happened over the last 48 hours with you. And, you know, you do such excellent work for, you know, the league, but for all the places that you write at. So if you all don't follow Mark on Twitter, I have a hard time imagining that you don't definitely hit him up. What's your handle, Mark, before we get going on this? You can follow me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. That seems pretty simple to me. Um so before we get into the playoffs, there was some big news coming out of the league this afternoon that James Wade, one executive of the year, he so he's added executive of the year along with his 2019 coach of the year accolades. I mean, what he's done over the last few years, honestly, it's pretty incredible to see him grow as a GM. But did you feel like the league got this right? You were you were a voter this year. I mean, did you vote for James Wade for executive of the year or? Yeah. Yeah. So as a national voter, I was actually not on the executive of the year panel. I think oh. that it's a uh, executive of the year. And I can't remember what other award I don't get to vote on, but um, if I had had a vote, it would have gone to James. Like I felt like this was pretty no brainer for me. I think normally it's tough because executive of the year is kind of like a multi-year award in some ways. Um, but I think again, like it's, it's coming to fruition from last year into this year as well. Like, I mean, when you are able to bring in Emma Misaman and then, uh, sign, someone, sign someone like Rebecca Gardner, who has been as impactful as she's been, uh, just walked right in as a rotation player. I think it's hard for me to find anywhere where I'm like, oh, you know, this is this is not a, this is not a deserving award. Like, I think you could look and squint and be like, OK, well, like Atlanta. But again, like, I think that's much more about being a rebuild and a, and a rebrand. And when you're looking at like the margins from where the sky were at last year, even compared to this year, I think like to me, it was it was pretty easy for, for me to look at that and be like, yeah, I'd be very in on this as, as James's award to take home. I agree. I wrote an article a few weeks ago just outlining how I already thought James had won executive of the year or had it all wrapped up. And it's kind of crazy. One of the things that I was thinking about today was just how, what, like 14 months ago that there were people who were calling for James's job after he after the Shiloh Heel draft pick didn't come come like didn't work out the way that he or the team really wanted. Um, you know, people mentioned the Katie Lou Samuelson pick from 2019. I mean, there were and the, you know the sky struggled when like last year they had they really 
went through the rough there for a little while. And it's crazy to see him go from someone, people saying that he's one of the worst executives in the league, which I always thought was preposterous uh, to begin with, but to now to be in this position for him to be executive of the year. And it's kind of remarkable, honestly, just seeing how like this progression, I just think it's super impressive that he has learned. That's one of the things that I talked with him last off season about was just him growing in that the GM role generally. And I thought it was a pretty easy decision to, I mean, not even just getting Emma Mieseman and Rebecca Gardner, but also retaining the core for them to take less money, like Ali Quigley taking $59,000 less than what she made in 2021. Courtney Vandersloot, Kalia Copper, they both decided to come back on lesser deals and you got to give him credit, not even just as a coach, but as a general manager. So who, who would you say would fall behind him in terms of executive of the year? Because I thought that was also an interesting conversation. I know you mentioned Atlanta, but did uh, Coach T come up at all in? Um, I, I thought about it. Well, not not to get like entirely off my soapbox. I have two things. Number one, yeah. I do get some of the criticisms of the Katie Lou Samuelson pick, but I also would say now look at how well Katie's playing. Like I think it's just tough. Like when I talk to her, um, like her and Lexi Brown, like both two players who played in Chicago, like. I think even when you saw like some limited run from Lexi last year, you saw she could play. Like it's just very hard to stick and find yourself in the league if you're not a star right away. Like I think pretty much any player is going to talk to that. Um, so it takes time. Um, I mean, even like somebody else I just talked to, like Gabby Williams, that's that is a different situation. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it just takes time. So like I think uh, you know it's tough to grade those things in a vacuum. But for other uh, others that I would mention, like I think with with Coach T. This one, I already hate so much of how this is going, you know, with him and and the 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 trade uh, for Shakira Austin, because as amazing as Ryan Howard is, like I think Shakira was every bit neck and neck with her for large stretches of the year as for rookie of the year. Obviously, yeah. I think Ryan really took it home in the last couple of weeks. She took another step. I wrote about that, but I just like Shakira was so central to what they did this year, and I really think she's gonna be like there's a pretty high chance in my opinion. And I know she thinks it too, that she's going to be the best big in the league at some point. Like, I, I think that's going to happen. I think that there's, I'm really interested to see how things start to shape up because I don't know what their roster is going to look like next year. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have them there. Like I liked the moves that they made in the off season, but again, I think um, just James just did it that much better. I think you could maybe like shout out Seattle, like the Gabby Williams trade was really good for them, you know, signing Brian January, but for the most part, like I, I, it's still just kind of James in his own class. I completely agree, man. You think about Shakira Austin. I mean, that is her ceiling, man. Being the best big in the league, but and yeah. with if her passing ability and they just like let her completely loose as like a secondary facilitator, just let her honestly just give her more. She's had flashes too, man. Like she does stuff off the dribble as a passer at six six five. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, like they're like when you were talking about a player that that big, that fluid, capable of making plays like that, like you're kind of cooking with grease. Like obviously she had a she looks really good in their first game, struggled a lot yesterday in their second game. But I mean, that's part of being a rookie. So and the defense already, like I had trouble keeping her off my all defense team. I ended up having her off, but she was that good. Like she was fantastic this year. So I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with that. But it almost felt like they had um not it wasn't this the issue that this guy had last year. I think 
it's an issue that we could have seen this year with the sky to a degree, but we ended up not seeing it. it was like really struggling to find roles. And I actually, I guess you could go back and say that that was an issue for the sky last year. Like having yeah. so many good players that it's just hard to actually pinpoint what those roles are. Like Maisha Hines Allen is a really good player, but her role just felt different. Like she was a player who anytime Elena Deladon was in and out of the lineup, it felt like Maisha's role changed immensely. And those are the kinds of things that separate you from being like coach and executive of the year and being a title contender, like being able to figure those things out. So yeah, it's um again, like I, I just can't highlight enough how exciting this coming off season is going to be because I just imagine there's going to be a lot of movement in ways that we aren't expecting. I agree. It's going to be a very exciting off season. I have so many thoughts on what you just said, but we got to keep this rolling far on the mm-hmm. sky end because I know our listeners are here to talk about the sky, but I could talk about Shakira Austin for hours so in game two, the Sky were able to extend this series. I mean, they laid the smackdown on the Liberty the other day. I mean, they outscored the Liberty 31 to 10 in the first quarter and finished the afternoon with a 162 win on the verge of elimination. I mean, I know you just rewatched the game. I mean, Kalia Copper was unstoppable. This team just played with a certain freedom that we really haven't seen from them in a long time. I feel like it's like going back to August, they were really struggling defensively that last eight games of the season. And it just, for them to just turn it on the way that they did, it it was just, it looked like a different team, honestly, going from game one to game two. So I'm curious because did your faith in the sky at all, like waver after game one or like, what did it like? What about just how? What did you just take away from Game Two after the Sky just again laid this smackdown on this team? Well, I think what was so interesting too is I mean it was off rip. Like it was there was it just kind of felt like it was uh, like the Kevin Durant tweet. Like when I'm on here, it's 100. Like whenever he's, <laughs> it's like always on 100. Like that's how it felt like right out of the gates yesterday. Um, I I mean it was all the margin stuff. Like in that first game, like their rotations kind of sucked we're being honest, like I think compared to what they usually are, like there were, it picked up as the game went on, but like the, the defense yesterday was unreal. Like Ka was incredible. Candice, of course. I mean, like you can just go up and down the roster. Everyone was really good. Like Azrae came in and she was fantastic. I thought Emma's defense was really, really good. Um, But it was just more so like everybody was completely in sync playing as a unit yesterday in a way that they hadn't been in game one. And it sounds really cliche, but like, I think especially for, the way that the Liberty play, like so much of what they do is, okay, well, you have to sell out to stop Sabrina. And if she's going to make the play, then you have to be like so crisp on your rotations. But yesterday they had the rotations and they were so incredibly aggressive and, uh, and pointed at the point of attack that it just, they were able to blow up everything. Um, But then again, like it's the offense too. Like I thought offensively, I was, that was some of the best that their offense looked. Part of that is the Liberty defense was a disaster. But, like, I mean, just the flow was really good. Like, I still think, um, like, again, Emma had a better game yesterday than she did in game one. It still has felt a little bit like uh, like she hasn't really come out of her shell yet as a, as a playoff player, which is, again, like, not what you're hoping for. But somebody has to take a backseat at some point. And, like, considering how well everybody else was playing yesterday, I think it's, it's fine. And she still did, like, a, a lot of, like, the good things just without the, the finishing that I think you're hoping from her, um, which I do think is going to matter more in this next round. But, I mean, that was – as complete of a game as I think you can really hope for out of that team. That was um, like you mentioned, I think that's just about the best they've looked this year, which again, granted when you're winning by almost 40 points, hard to look bad, but uh, (laughs) 
that was a that was a really fun game, and especially if that's what the defense is going to look like uh, moving forward. Like, that's going to be an extremely tough team to beat. To me, the biggest adjustment that the Sky made that I felt dictated the rest of the game. After the, I mean, the Sky were up nine to six with five fifty five left in the first quarter before they just opened everything up. And even before then, it felt like they were so dominant just because of the job that Kalia Copper did on Sabrina Inescu. Inescu, excuse me. That adjustment going from having Courtney on Sabrina and Ka being on Benajia Laney to Ka just being a pest when it came to Sabrina trying to just make something happen. I mean, Kalia Copper should be considered for an all-defense team, and I don't think that I see a lot of people talking about her in that way they talk they kind of view her more as a offensive weapon than a defensive one and just going back and watching that first quarter yesterday I mean or against the the two days ago whatever it was like Sabrina just did not have an answer for Kalia Copper's aggressiveness and I'm just curious how the Liberty adjust honestly that's something that I don't know like exactly what they're going to be able to do because this they just didn't have the same type of patience that they had in game one where they were able to navigate the traps that the sky were throwing at them and were able to open up the pick and roll for Natasha Howard, which I thought Emma Miesemann, like people are going to look at the her defense on Natasha Howard was really good. Really, really incredible. I thought that like the two matchups heading into tomorrow that are going to really dictate things are going to be Emma Miesemann on Natasha Howard and Ka on Sabrina. But what do you think is the biggest adjustment New York is going to make heading into tomorrow? Well, it's weird because I, like it's uh, like obviously Kyle was really good, but I felt like New York kind of shot themselves in the foot with how much they had Sabrina bring up the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's something that Sabrina and I had talked about earlier this year. And it was cool because like you don't get this kind of um, like I I just don't really you, you don't typically see a star guard be like, oh, I'm will, like I am a combo guard. And I think you, again, like you see those constraints, like she's not somebody who's going to generate paint touches routinely without a ball screen. And I think that was a major issue yesterday because a, their screens didn't hit for shit. Like, I mean, the timing was so good on every switch, every hedge, every trap, like it was phenomenal, but also like, okay, they're not countering it with slips. And even if they are, there's a rotation on the back end and then they're Xing out. And it's like, so it was just like the kind of thing yesterday where that really hurt. But again, I think it was more like, um, and I that I didn't really, you know, going back through and watching, I didn't really feel that the sky did anything special to really keep the ball out of Crystal Dangerfield's hand, Dangerfield's hands. And like, even though like her box score isn't everyone to be crazy for the most part, like they really need her to to like they're at her their best when she's bringing the ball up, and then they can have Sabrina coming off off ball actions into stuff. Or you know, even if it's Sammy Wickham um, or Marine Johannes, like it's much better when it's through Sammy, honestly. But because Marine's so much better coming off the ball too, but. I think that's what I'm really interested to see if New York can get back into that a little bit more. Like even just if it's okay, if Sabrina is bringing up the ball, getting a quick screen at like 30 feet, but like an angled screen, because like uh, I'm trying to remember which game it was in, because actually I want to say that they did this a ton against Rebecca Gardner in that third game that Chicago ended up winning this season or no. Yeah. Cause it was the final game. So it was the fourth game that, that they, they played one another in this season. Um, they threw a ton of like really early in set, angled screens uh to try and like it, it like at least force a switch and get Rebecca Gardner off of Sabrina because of how well she played her I'd be interested to see if they're trying to throw more of that stuff in and even even again like one of the other big differences was part of it was how good the ball pressure was up 
um, you know, like pretty much 94 feet. But um, like in game one, New York setting their screens like after they got like a quarter and a half in, they're setting their screens like 30, 32 feet. Like they were setting them so high. And especially too for a team like like that that is operating primarily off pick and roll and what they can do attacking two to the ball. That was perfect for what they want to do because, okay, they're going to send somebody baseline or there's going to be some kind of open up on a slip or, or somebody has a 45 cut and then there's just so much space behind that trap. And Sabrina's a good enough passer. If you don't have her like totally rattled, she picks it apart. And that's what happened in game one. But again, like that just totally, I mean, they, they own screens in game two. It almost felt like watching a, like watching a football game, like in terms of talking about just the defensive line, totally owning something like that's what it felt like. Yeah, no, I, that was the perfect answer. I was like, I'm just curious how you were going to answer that one. Yeah, I just wonder, like, New York's half-court offense has just been so inconsistent all year, mm-hmm. and you can blame injuries for that if you want. But that, to me, I'm like, I'm curious, like, how what version of New York's offense we're going to see tomorrow, where I, th- I think taking Sabrina, like, have her be more of an off-ball threat is really interesting because they can't do what they did in game two, because it's like, or honestly, the first two games, because it's too much. The sky have found an answer to it. Maybe Sandy Brondello comes out tomorrow and has an answer for it with Sabrina with the ball in her hands. But I think you're right. Crystal, Crystal Dangerfield needs to step things up a little bit. I think Rebecca Allen, too. Like, I just don't get what happened with Rebecca Allen this season from beyond the arc when she was just such a solid shooter last year. Um, I know that she battled some injuries, but like, I think that if the Liberty are going to come out and win tomorrow, like Rebecca Allen, Sammy Wickham, like they just need those role players to step up, especially. And you saw Sandy Brundello really go down her bench in game two, just to try to find some type of energy, some, some, just anything to just make the, everything come together. And it just didn't happen. And, you know, I think the only quarter they won was in the fourth quarter when this guy took out everyone, you know? So I'm curious how they end up adjusting, but how about this? Who do you got tomorrow? I was going to say this at the end of the pod. I'm taking Chicago, like, especially after how that game just went, like, obviously I don't think that you necessarily, like, even if you do have like some kind of fourth quarter comeback, I'm not saying that that fixes things, but like, at least watching Connecticut in their game against Dallas, which was a total beatdown. Like they had that run at the end and like actually genuinely feel like they started doing things where I'm like, that's what you need to be doing in the game. Like it wasn't just like, oh, we're forcing turnovers, which it was part of that, but also like they were just playing better basketball. I mean, watching yesterday, I mean, like that was to me, like I was like, let's just call it a series now. Like I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll be a close game, um, but it just kind of feels like we're at the point like, like that was definitely New York's best shot in the first game. I could end up being completely wrong here, but like that's just generally how I take it. Like watching that game yesterday, that just felt like Chicago was very much like, okay, we know what we need to do to just absolutely eviscerate this team. Um, on one hand, like I don't think the Liberty can play that bad again physically. Like again, I could be wrong, but I would be shocked if they have a performance like that again. They have had, well, I mean, they had a performance like that against against Chicago early on in the season. Um, but, I mean, like in terms of actual adjustments, I would be interested to see if they actually play D.D. Richards because I think that's something that they're missing, especially defensively. Like their issue, um, they're not an athletic team. Like as small as they play, like they're not athletic at all. Um, like I think Natasha Howard is probably their best athlete, and she's much more like, you know, how 
functional she is laterally and what she can do in terms of just like being somebody who's so rangy on the defensive end. But again, like in terms of like actual like downhill juice or like anything, any real kind of like athleticism, that's not their team. Like I think it's like if you want any like it's not even that they were terrible trying to guard Kalia Copper, but it just it was like you can be in the right place, but it just doesn't matter because she's so much faster than everybody. Like I think one of the best examples was um in game one, like she just dusted Jocelyn Willoughby. And Jocelyn was like right position, you know, angled herself completely right, but like it's just Kalia Copper, and she's insanely quick. I think Didi might be a better answer than anybody else they've had out there, frankly. Um, because they're I mean, like it felt like Chicago had like six or seven buckets off off something going baseline in I think the second quarter of that game. And that again, I think to me a lot of that is athleticism. Part of that was like they they were botching some of their coverages, but also too, like they just don't have a lot of room for error. So I'm interested to see if they try and incorporate her more. Because again, like that was something I talked about going into the series. Like, yeah, the, New York has played a lot better, but they're still figuring out what their best lineups are. You know, like they had a the game that they won against the Wings that was really huge was with Sammy Wickham in the lineup, and then the game that they ended up winning, uh, I can't remember. Uh, they're like last two games against Atlanta were with Marine, you know, playing mo- the majority of those minutes. Yeah. And this hasn't really been a Sammy series yet, so I'm interested to see if that changes up more because maybe it is because Chicago's so good at denying off ball actions. And again, it's just more like, okay, if New York can't get anything going with, like, if their offense is built on the Howard's UNESCO pick and roll, if that's not hitting, they really struggle to get anything else going off the ball. If they don't have the pick and pop with Steph Dolson, that hurts too. Like, in game one, Steph Dolson hit, I think, what, three threes in the first half. And even yesterday, like, you saw them come out, uh, you saw the, the sky come out, and like, Candace Parker was like pretty much stapled to, to Stephanie Dolson to start. And then that went away because, I mean, with how that was going. But, again, like, can the Liberty actually come out and really establish something early? TBD, I kind of doubt it. But um, I think that's what they really need, obviously, like, because that was uh, – I mean, that was painful. But uh, as far as other uh, things they can actually do to change up, I'm not sure. But I I think that's kind of all I see right now. Sabrina played 37 minutes in the first game. They were so desperate on the offensive end that they couldn't give her – a sec, a break because things started to open up when Sabrina had to sit down. It, just, it felt like uh because the sky's media section is right next to the away bench, and it felt like Sabrina had sat down and then immediately Sandy looked over and was like, "Come back in!" Like the first time she was checked out. Like I don't have a ton of faith in this Liberty team because I think when the sky lose, it's more self inflicted than it is other teams necessarily overwhelming them just because of that starting five. Like there was a period where they had the best net. Like it was like insane. Like their fourth quarter net rating as a starting five or closing five, I should say was like the best in the league was something stupid, like 21.6 at one point. Mm -hmm. Like, and then you kind of saw them like, again, fall apart a little bit. And even the vibes at practice today, they just had a certain energy about them where everything it like it felt like last game things just clicked and now they're just locked in now we're about to find out if that's actually going to be the case tomorrow but at 9 p.m eastern i don't know who decided <laughs> that but i for one as an early riser and uh someone that goes to sleep early don't love that but um <laughs> So we had some fan questions. Um, okay. you, do you have a little bit more time? Yeah, for that? sure. Awesome. So we already answered some of these, but 
I believe this was Dennis. I didn't write down the names, but Dennis, longtime listener. So far, who is the MVP of the first round? Could be uh, the Sky or league-wide of the playoffs. So who do you got? Ooh. Oh, that is a good question. Let me let me look back through the first round because I need to I need to think about it. Where would you be at with this? I think Stewie, man. <laughs> no. Stewie, man. I'll never get bored watching Brianna Stewart play basketball, but also Ka, man. Like, Jesus. I mean, I know that the whole ankle thing with um ankle injury thing it became a talking point, but even watching her in the first, like in that first game when she went down in the four in the third quarter when she was pancaked by Crystal Bradford or I keep saying Crystal Bradford because I wrote a little bit about Crystal Bradford uh in my sky diary, but well, who was it? Crystal Dangerfield and Steph Dolson. Like, like Ka looked like she like there was a couple points where that that ankle was looked like it was aggravated, and for mm-hmm. her to like get to the line as many times as she did afterwards, like it didn't matter if Kalia Copper was at one hundred percent or eighty five percent. Like she just gets to the rim at will, and the Liberty are still looking for ways to stop her. Um, so how she came out in game two, and she only played like twenty ish minutes, you know, so. I don't know. I, I really, at least on the, on the skies end, I think Kalia Copper has been the MVP and league wide. It's between her and Stewie for me. Yeah. So I would throw in an extra name too. Cause I agree with you. I think it would be, it would be um, Ka for me for, for the series and Stewie has been incredible, but yeah. I think I would go Chelsea gray. Cause yeah. Chelsea gray. All right. So just to read off her stats, like it's actually insane. So 22 points, six assists, but on uh, 77% from three, and 75% from the field. Like, that's insane, dude. Like, yes, it's a two-game sample size, but that just points out, like, how absolutely nuts she was in those two games. Like, her last month, like, after the All-Star break, she's been a different player. She really kind of – I wouldn't even say that she struggled early on in the year. She just was, like, clearly, like, the fifth player on the totem pole, which makes sense. That's fine. But her play has really just been phenomenal to watch uh, over this last month. Um, and that's continuing the playoffs, and especially too, like she's the player that they need in the playoffs. Like, in terms of somebody who's really going to create for them in the half court, like obviously, like you know what Asia's gonna bring, but especially too, I mean, she was big in that game against the storm. That was like arguably the game of the year. Just like what was it? I think it was two weeks ago, it feels like a month ago already, but um <laughs> Yeah, the playoffs have been fun, man. I don't know how you felt about the uh, the new format. I know a lot of fans have been like down on it because there have been some blowouts, but I just would point out like it happens. Blowouts are always going to happen regardless. Like I think it's been part of it's been matchup based this year, but also like we've gotten really good games in the series like this. I I think game three of this tomorrow could be, or I guess today could be really exciting. Um, I'm very excited for Connecticut, Dallas, um, just because of narratives and what the hell is going to happen with that. Um, But like, I'm not a narrative based person, but I am just, I I do enjoy some mess on the timeline and seeing how people react to things. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm loving the new course postseason format because like, I'll just never forget sitting at home last year when the links lost in the first round in that elimination game. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit ever that this, cause what, what were they? They were like, I think they were like eight games in the, uh, ahead in the standings over who I can't like, who did they even play? I can't remember who they played. So didn't they play Chicago in the second round? Yes. So I'm not trying to be unfair to Chicago, but it was like, it's like exactly like that should have been a five game series. Like, I don't want to see that team that 
was like I think they had like 23, 24 wins last year. And they it's they didn't so even get to play. I'm like, this is the suck, man. Like, I don't want to see that. But um, so I've I've enjoyed postseason a lot. So two quick things. One, I had three names for MVP for the league wide thing. Stewie, mm-hmm. Chelsea Gray, and Kalia Copper. So we were both on the same page there. Secondly, yeah, I so the so there was another question about this that I thought was actually really interesting. I for one thing, I just want to say at the top of this, I don't think there's a perfect way to do this right now. I think especially with coming off that Mystic Storm series, people are going to point to how the Mystics got the short end of the stick here with having to face the storm in the first round. And I just don't think there's a perfect way to do this in a 12 team league. I really don't know what the formula is, but someone had a really interesting idea in our, in our Twitter comment section here. So they, they said, do you think it would be better if the worst seed hosted game one and then the better seed hosted game two and three guarantees that elimination game or games are at home for the better seed. I feel like this is also very sky specific, <laughs> but um, what do you think about that? I, th- I mean, I have some thoughts on it, but I'm curious where you're at with that. Wait, one. can you, I'm trying, can you repeat that? I'm yeah, yeah. So do you think it would be better if the worst seed hosted game one and the better seed hosted games two and three? So instead of the sky hosting game one, it would be like, do it here in New York. And then games two and three in a three game series would be, hosted by the top seed so that the elimination game is at home instead of away. So, yeah, that's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> it's <not> like <laughs> I, all I can think, like I'm just picturing what James Wade's answer would be to that. I'm like, no, like that's not going to happen. Every, I mean, Grant, every coach in the league is going to be like, I don't know. Like we earn home court. And I, I'm, I, I agree with that. Like, I think that's just, that's part of what makes it tough about being a three game series. Like somebody's going to get quote unquote shafted by, having it set up like this. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think that's what's so tough about with everything with Washington. Like you mentioned, like, it's really easy to look at this and be like, oh, well, you know, like they shouldn't have to face Seattle in the first round. Like, I agree. Like, I – because somebody, like, came at me for saying yesterday. I mean, that Washington was Washington team was a title contender. A, against yes. a different team, I do think that they look a lot better. Um, not even they look bad. Like, I think if you your takeaway is that the Mystics sucked – or, or just weren't good enough in that game. Like, I'm, that's not where I'm at. Um, but, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. Um, but, like, I think that's part of, like, just how good the top end in the league is right now. And like you mentioned, like, being a 12-team league where there aren't tanking teams other than the Fever, because, um, like, they're – I mean, they're that's too far gone. But, like, every team – I mean, until the last week of the season, every single team was in it, you know, trying to actually fight for a playoff spot. So um, – and with how – top heavy the league is right now it's really hard for like and it, it was different like i feel like it was a little bit more balanced last year because obviously the links were better but yeah. um it's I, i'm right there with you i think until there's more league expansion and you know you're seeing this on a grander scale like yeah that we're not going to see that change a whole ton because there's always going to be like four or five is always going to be a dog fight or even then like there could just be a weird year where like I mean, what happened with Connecticut last year? I mean, granted, that was on like a grander scale, but like, okay, if you are, if you are the Chicago Sky, you're a superstar set of team that dealt with injuries throughout the year, just never really were able to click. But then you hit a really good stride. 
Like, I mean, hell, we could be talking about that with Connecticut tomorrow because Dallas yeah. played really well over the last month. I, I'm not comparing them to this guy, but who knows? Maybe 22 wings or or 21 sky. Uh, but like, that's just it. It happens. That's the playoffs. I think anytime anything new happens, people are gonna find something to be a little bit upset about. But um, that is not meant as shade, but it's just that's just human nature. It is, and look, I just don't think a three game series makes any sense whatsoever i guess compared to a single elimination game fine just make these a five game series and do two two one i the fans are going to want that i would have wanted to see a five game series between the mystics and storm just because the series that they got from natasha cloud that first game with elena i mean my god i mean this i'm just i'm going to feel so shortchanged about that team and last year's lynx team after they got so hot towards the end of the first half and just went off. And then they lost Alicia Clarendon, who played like a few minutes in the second round, but then was wiped away. And I, God, that Lynx team and this year's Mystics team are going to be one of those what if teams for me. But yeah, it just has to be a five game series. And I get why they did 2 1 instead of 1 1 1, just because for the players' sake, from a health standpoint, it's like, Let's not have them go on multiple flights when they don't have to necessarily. But in terms of the actual product itself or the, just the game itself, it just should be 2-2-1. Two, two, but yeah, and I think we'll get there soon. I think so, too. Um, <laughs> okay, this is a quick one. Um, someone's asked, what the hell was Sabrina saying to Coach Wade in the second half? I saw this, and Sabrina, I think, just kept saying – don't do that when James is complaining uh, to the refs. So yeah, that's all I saw from that. <laughs> Sabrina was not happy. So, okay, let's do, let's wrap up with this one because we already answered that other one pretty much. So the sky show shy again, OG listener, huge fan of you, Mr. Brian. I um, seriously see them everywhere. I swear to God. Like I was, <laughs> I think I was watching like a, like a live for hoop stats podcast and sky show shy pops up there. I'm like, okay, you're just everywhere. But yes, I, 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 I always enjoy interacting with them. Oh my God. He is such a fun person. I love Brian. Um, I keep, also I jealous because uh, Gabby Williams follows them on, uh, on, on her, uh, on her anime account. So no, that's so great. Story. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Sorry, that's a very random thing to know, but I, I, I was like randomly snooping the other day because I was like, who does she follow on her on her MA account? I'm like, shit, I know this person. So now you know. <laughs> I love that. That's such yeah. a great toss in detail. I know that uh, this guy show shine is going to tweet about that after this podcast is released. So. Yeah, so the Sky Show Shy asked, would love to hear thoughts on Julie Alleman's play this season, how she's been from joining midway in the season with zero training camp, um, or I guess zero time in training camp, and where she can develop from here on out. I have some thoughts on it, but I'm curious where you land with this. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think she's she's been better than I do think fans have given her credit for, which is probably not saying a ton, but she's in a tough spot if we're being honest, like uh, coming in from, I mean, when she was playing with the fever, she was their starting point guard. She had the ball in her hands a ton and that's not to totally belittle everything. Like you can even look like her usage isn't that drastically different from what it was in, in Indiana, but it is a very different role. I think what's been tough for me is 
And part of that is, I, I do think, coming in late. But um, she's really just never found a balance of taking her own shot. And I think that's what's been frustrating for me. Because, like, in the bubble, she was amazing at just being aggressive and taking her own shot. And, like, the, the amount of times where I'm watching a game on my laptop and I'm like, Julie, just shoot the ball. Like, you have a wide – like, she's a really, really good shooter. And we haven't – I mean, we haven't seen that this year. But, like, watch her play overseas. Watch her play – net like, back in, in 20. 2020 like she's a really good shooter and i think what's tough is that's what opens up most of what she does as a playmaker too like she's still good at like um like i, I actually have, have liked how she initiates offense and just kind of kicks things into gear and I, I think she's good at relocating and moving and and doing like the little things that matter for for being impactful without being like an awesome scorer but it has been um i do think that has she's been their weakest link this year that's interesting yeah i mean yeah, that's well because I didn't even mention like defensively she's she's a problem. Yes. Um, like I think it's one thing because she's active in help and she has a pretty decent wingspan if I remember correctly. Um, so she like does her part when she's off the ball, but on the ball, I mean, that will be interesting to see how much they can get away with playing her in uh, in future series. Um, especially because this is like not really a guard heavy team. Um, mm-hmm. like Quigley is more of a like honestly like more of a pure two or or a two three than than a real like true ball handler um like there are plenty of players who can handle the ball but just in terms of like actually initiating offense so i will be interested to see what that looks like in future series if we get there but yeah that's like my really long long way way of saying i was hoping for more but i also understand why things have gone how they have i agree about the shooting and defense i mean have you seen her synergy page from 2020 with the fever so i actually don't have synergy i've I've instat so that's that's okay yeah well her like she's one of the best shooters in twenty nineteen in twenty twenty, just off the catch, just spotting up. Julie Alaman was such a good shooter, and I thought that wow, the sky really found the combo guard that they kind of needed in the backcourt in twenty twenty one. I mean, James Wade really went back and forth with Lexi Brown and Dana Evans as his backup to Courtney, and the reason why Courtney has not like has been able to have not play over thirty minutes a game all the time is just because of Julie, she knows how to run the offense. And yes, she's a little bit unselfish to a fault sometimes, but she does keep that offense going. And especially when she got there, like her first few games, I mean, she really looked like she was the person that this guy can rely on night in and night out. And then I just don't get what happened with the shooting this year. I think even last game, the Liberty went under her on, on a screen. And I was like, Think about 2020. Yeah, I mean, she shot 48% from three in, in the bubble. And that was on, like, high volume, too. It wasn't just, like, like you know, a, a fluke. So that was, uh, yeah, I agree. It's, like, seeing it's a little bit jarring. But, like, uh, I'm so it makes me more interested to see, like, what does this look like in the future? But for right now, yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting. I think you're right on the second point, too. Like, defensively, on-ball defense, can't just let people just – drive by you every time um but again i think that she's like again when you just get integrated with this guy's system a little bit more i mean even dana evans talked about how important it was for her to have a full you know you can say half year under her belt to come into the sky this season just feeling more confident knowing the system a little bit more james wade has a really huge playbook that's something that i've heard people say uh, the players say and like you know if you got to learn a complex system, then 
maybe it take, it'll take a training camp for Julie to understand it. Um, I know she was sent the film, you know, um, at least towards the end of training camp, um, what they were doing, but like, it's different than actually running the plays in training camp than just watching the film when she was finishing, finishing up her season in France, you know? So I'm curious how she adjusts because I do think her potential is someone that could replace Courtney Vandersloot in the future is someone that, again, if she's able to return to her form in Indiana, where she's confident as a combo guard, someone as a threat off the ball, man, I think that she could be pretty special. Um, Former third round pick, by the way, isn't that, I can't, I feel like I can't really name that many third round picks that have been successful in the W. So um, it'll be interesting to see how she progresses, but yeah, shooting 29% this season from deep. I just, yeah, and more importantly, too, like she gets guarded like it. So it's like, yeah. (laughs) And that's like, not again, not to like make it go too deep, but like that's what's so weird too. Cause like Dana was playing, like she tailed off a little bit once Julie came over, but I mean, she looked really good to start the year. Obviously, I mean, she had the game high in that first game against the Sparks. Obviously, it was a loss in overtime, but um, like there, it's. That's something I'm so interested to see how it plays out next year. This whole roster, honestly, how they play out next year. But, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Absolutely. I mean, this uh, this upcoming offseason is just going to be as challenging as last year's. But, um, Mark, uh, we've been going for a little while now, so I'm going to let you enjoy your Monday night. But, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, me and Chris just love what you do, and we've been wanting to have you on for a while. So Appreciate that. Maybe next time uh, we'll, we'll get Chris on here as well. And us three can blabber about this league. So, uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, appreciate you, Tom, for having me. I'm excited to see uh, your coverage coming out of the game on uh, on game three. And appreciate you again for having me, man. This is fun. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. And if you could take a couple seconds to rate and review our show, wherever you get your podcast, we would really appreciate it. We're trying to build something here, and we can't do that without all of you. So if you could take a couple seconds to do that, we would appreciate it. And if you want to contribute to the show financially, you can also Venmo us, our account is the Skyhook Podcast. Our logo should be right there, so it should be easy to find. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so by going to the episode description to find all that information. Thanks for tuning into another edition of the show, and until next time.